Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Alex and Ryan here to break down the Oklahoma Sooners 49-21 victory over the UCLA Bruins. Alex, why does this uh, spell the end of OU football? Well, actually, there are some news to get to first. Yeah, so I mean, really... The biggest takeaway from the game, I mean, I think the game overall went, you know, pretty well. I mean, there's not a ton of, you know, in terms of unexpected things, I, I felt like it went about how I thought it would in a lot of ways. But, I mean, just the the mood of the game was shifted pretty yeah. drastically because, you know, in the first quarter, Rodney Anderson goes down with a leg injury, and, you know, we, we – I. No one really knew what was going on, you know, like he, I mean, he wound up kind of limping off the field and then he was walking to the uh, locker room without a limp. And so you were kind of just, well, maybe, you know, got, got lucky and didn't have a serious injury. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, there was some video of him walking back out on the field with a huge brace on his, on his leg. And it it became fairly apparent that he was probably going to be out for the rest of the season. Yeah. And we now have the official word that that is the case. And it honestly, I mean, putting football aside first, like, I mean, I can't imagine being Rodney Anderson, you know, like this is a guy, his first two years at OU you know, were derailed by injuries, one of which happened before his season even started. Um, he broke his leg his freshman year. He had a he broke his neck before his sophomore year, um, and then he you know, came into his third year at Oklahoma. And took a little bit of time, but once he got going, he was truly maybe the best running back in the country. You know, from a production standpoint. Mm-hmm. And everything going into this year, if you talk to anyone in the program, anyone, you know, most people, like, he was the focal point of this offense. He was yeah. the best player on this offense. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, man, it just sucks for him to lose three years to just not even, like, a recurring injury, just three freak acute no. injuries. And that's... That's just, it's so rough. And yeah, I mean, you know, there was discussion as to whether or not we needed to look at Rodney Anderson as a sleeper Heisman candidate. And jeez. Yeah, and if you just looked at like how how well he fit in the offense and how, how well he had just been rolling, like mm-hmm. I don't think, I think he was going to be in New York at the end of this year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he had clearly gone into the offseason, you know, really committed to, having as good a season as he could. And the way he started, he just, he looked even more explosive than he did last year in that first mm-hmm. game. And just with the way that the running game is, was probably going to be emphasized with him. Like he, I, I think it was going to be pretty, um, I think he had a really good shot of getting to New York this year. And that's just kind of out the window now. Yeah. Which is, man, I like we really, there's only so many ways that we can say that this sucks for him, for the program. It's it's just a rough situation, and it it's yeah. So that's what's going on with Rodney Anderson, unfortunately. Yeah. So do we? Let's talk about 
first of all, one of the things that I thought, like I just, you know, thinking about him being for, out for the year, is he, do you think he will go still declare for the draft this year? Or do you think he's probably got to come back next year? Because I don't think there was any doubt, like that dude was going to the NFL after this year if he yeah. had a great season. Um, Man, I don't really know. I feel like if I was him, I would declare for the draft because he's going to have an amazing combine like combine and everyone knows what he's capable of and as a running back you know even running backs who don't suffer three freak acute injuries in four years have a relatively short career um so to me i think that if he wants to pursue football as a career then he should probably go to the draft this year yeah no i would I would definitely go to the draft for him. I, I do wonder about the combine thing, though, because, you know, that's, you know, when the combine is in what, March or April? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he'll be. You know, me. like he's he's got a lot of recovery to do, like assuming this is an ACL injury. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like he's going to have a lot of time to just train for the combine. Yeah. He's going to be in rehab for this entire time. So, I mean, that might be a situation where even. You know, like, even if it makes sense, you know, as many injuries he's had to go pro, like, maybe coming back would be something that could be beneficial to him. And, I'm, I mean, I'm really trying not to be in fan mode right here. Like, yeah. obviously, as a fan, we would love to see him come back and play again. Yeah. And he would really help the team next year. But just for a, from his situation, the way he would look at it, like, you know, maybe he looks at it as, you know, I'm not going to be 100% ready for the combine. They're going to they're gonna ding me there. Mm -hmm. They're going to look at the injury history. They're going to look at the fact that he's basically played nine games of football for OU, like really yeah. productive games. You know, like, you know, I guess technically last year he proved he could stay healthy for a full season, but, you know, he didn't really – he wasn't a full-time player last year. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe him coming back for, for one more year as being the feature back and, you know, making it through the whole season. Because what I think you have to look at, too, is just because, you know, he seems very injury prone. It's not like it's one thing exactly. that is consistently. Exactly. And like every time he hurts it, you know, he gets worse in from an athletic standpoint. But um, now if he had torn his ACL twice, then that changes things, obviously. Mm -hmm. But since it was a leg, then it was a neck, then it was a knee, like, I think that that changes things a little bit from that standpoint. And it's yeah. just really, it just seems like a bad luck thing right now. Mm -hmm. Just horrible. And I luck. guess, I mean, tech, yeah, and like, I mean, if you want to, I mean, the guy, guy has a very, not, I don't know if violence the right word for his running style, but I would say a very determined running yeah, style. It's so direct. It's... He's a guy that's always yeah, he's always fighting for extra yards. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my favorite things about him is that, like, he's going to get as many yards as he possibly can. Yeah. And honestly, that might have been what kind of got him on that run there, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if – but you look at it, the neck injury was in practice. The the broken leg was on special teams. So even that, like, it, it's pretty much – it's just bad luck, honestly, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean – it's. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, um, 
and I think a lot of it will determine on where his rehab ends up being around the time of the combine. Um, because I mean, if he's fully healthy by then, then he can have a good combine, and oh, and NFL teams will know what they're getting from him. Um, but if not, you know, maybe he does decide to stick around and play one more year. We'll see. Um, I think it's too early to say at this moment. Yeah, so um, I think we should probably talk about how we're going to go about replacing him. Yeah. Um, because, And we'll talk about this more later in the podcast. You know, you look at a guy like Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. He, I, The more I watch Trey Sermon, I really like Trey Sermon. I think he's a very good running back. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is a an every week starting running back. You know he's, what I mean? Uh, I don't think he's a feature guy at all. I mean, he's just really different than Ronnie. Like, Ronnie was this, like, physical, like, speeding bullet, one cut, and then break a tackle and he's gone guy. And yeah. Sermon, like, his, there's a lot more, um, you know, there's a lot more thought in his runs. There's, um, you know, he cuts back two or three times per run, which sometimes gets him in trouble. Um, and he doesn't have the yeah. burst, like, the burst on that first cut that Rodney can uh, generate. And as a result, like, I think that was part of the reason that he didn't have an incredible game last week. Like, Yeah. No, I think that, you know, there's just some matchups, you know, depending on what the defensive line, how they're playing the run yeah. game in general. Like, Trey's just not going to have a good game that week. You know, we've seen that before. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, UCLA was a bad matchup. I remember last year against Iowa State, like he was decent, but there was we just needed a guy to hit a hole mm-hmm. harder. You know, when we yeah. lost Abdul Adams in that game, we didn't have another guy that could do that because Rodney hadn't really gotten into the flow of it yet. You mm-hmm. know, so that really kind of I think cost us the game in in a lot of ways um, that week, among other things, obviously. Um, but basically, I I mean, Trey Sermon will get the majority of the carries now. I mean, he is the second best running back on this team. Yeah. But we're going to have to have a guy that can do things a little bit more like Rodney Anderson did them. Yeah. You know, and do you think we have a guy like that on our team? You know, um, it's really early in his career, obviously. But I think that from what we've seen of TJ Pleasure, he runs in a sort of similarly direct style. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, it would be, certainly it would be kind of baptism by fire for him to immediately have to take on, you know, running back two loads. Um, though, I mean, Trey Sermon was able to do something similar his freshman year. Uh, right. But, um, to me, I, I mean, I see a lot of Rodney Anderson's running style in TJ Pleasure and what we've seen of him. Marcellus Sutton yeah. is a little bit different. Um, he does have, I mean, he is explosive to the hole, but he doesn't always find the hole. Um, right. So, I mean, to me, it's those two guys. I don't think it'll be Kennedy Brooks. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I really liked what I've seen from, from uh, TJ Pleasure and the thing that really sticks out to me with TJ Pledger is that he's got pretty good vision. There's a couple times in the game he probably could have gotten a few more yards if he had seen a cutback lane a little bit sooner. But yeah. I think with him is that you look at him as kind of a smaller guy. You know, he's only about 5'9", 
but he packs a punch with the way he runs and he, he seems, really he seems dense he looks for contact yeah yeah he's dense he looks for contact he hits you know and like that's very you know very similar to Rodney I don't think he has the open field speed that Rodney has he's just mm-hmm. gonna break it and I don't think he's going 65 yards down the sidelines like Rodney did against uh, yeah. FAU but I think from just the fact of you know he could get he could make a, a five yard run into like a ten yard run with his ability to kind of, you know, look for the contact and kind of he has a really low center of gravity. Yeah. You know, he can get some yards after contact, I think. Um I have been super critical of Marcellius Sutton, um, uh, based on what I saw last year. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked what I saw from him on Saturday. Yeah. Though I've gotta admit. I think if we had run the ball with him and TJ Pledger a little bit more earlier, I think we would have had more success in the run game. Uh, Like I said, it was just a horrible matchup for for Trey Sermon. And we'll talk about this more later. But I think that, you know, we're going to have to be willing to use guys like Marcellia Sutton and and TJ Pledger. Yeah. Or else there's going to be some games where we just have trouble running the ball effectively, in Mm. my opinion. Yeah. Um, And I... Again, like I like what I've seen from Marcellus Sutton so far this year. You know, there's been a lot of talk how he had he had some injury issues last year. He wasn't here mentally. He was very homesick last year. Mm-hmm. But they've talked about how he's put all of that behind him and he's really, really improved. Yeah. And I've I've seen that so far. Hopefully he really has and in a bigger workload mm-hmm. that can really showcase itself because we are really, really gonna need it. Yeah. And I don't, this is kind of – I hadn't even thought about this before, but I wonder if they probably will still put him on kickoff returns. Yeah. Um, I was thinking maybe if they would consider that since our depth has been affected, but that hasn't really stopped them from that before. No, so I bet. I bet they'll probably keep him back there. Yeah. And, um, I mean, and it's, it's just a matter of where the ball goes, but we were seeing a lot of Trey Brown catching the kickoffs le- yeah. last week at least. Um, I mean, plus with just the general changes to the kickoff rules, there will be fewer returns. Right, right. Um, uh, go ahead. Real quick, last guy, Kennedy Brooks. Do you think he will factor in at all? Like, I, you might have said that already. Uh, so you don't think it will be? I don't think so, no. I mean, he's certainly capable of, you know, but no. I don't... I mean, we saw we. I mean, we certainly saw from the FAU game that the uh, he seems to be the guy last on the list for the coaches. Right. Um, so to me, I think that TJ Pleasure and Marcellus Sutton will step up and fill the role to okay. a sufficient extent that Kennedy Brooks will sort of stay in the same role he's currently in. Okay. Yeah, I think that there is a little bit more potential for him because I think what's keeping him off the field is the the non-running aspects of playing running back. Yeah. Um, I think if he improves as a, as a pass blocker and as a receiver, he could, you know, and like, I, I'm not sure how much he can do that during, uh, over the course of the year, but if he improves a little bit in that way, they might be more willing. Cause I do think he's an extremely capable runner. I've really, really liked what I've seen from him. Just anytime I've seen him carrying the ball, like he, he's a guy that just, he finds ways to get yards, and I think that's yeah. going to be what we need, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, so yeah. 
I think the last aspect that we need to talk about with in terms of replacing Rodney is that this is just going to put so much on Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah, know? absolutely. Because when Trey Sermon's in the game a lot, Kyler Murray's going to be the explosive aspect of the running game for us. You yeah. know, he's he's going to have to run a lot. I really like I thought maybe with, you know, with Rodney, they would be able to kind of keep his workload a pretty low in terms of carrying the ball mm-hmm. and his a lot of his runs would come on just some scrambles and stuff you know where they move him out of the pocket and he he finds a lane but I think we're gonna see some more designed run game for him uh, because the dude is unbelievably talented as a runner like he's yeah. very elusive he's incredibly fast and he's really good at not taking hits like it's no, not yeah. like he's a guy that's going out there trying to run guys over He's really smart with how he runs. So it just, to me, what the main thing of this whole deal is, it's going to make, if this offense is going to stay humming the way it has, Kyler Murray is going to be the reason why. Yeah, I agree. He's going to have to wind up in New York. Like, he's going to have to be that good. Yeah. Um, And speaking of being that good, um, Kyler was this week named the Walter Camp Offensive Player of the Week um, for his five-touchdown performance. Um, so that sort of leads us into um, sort of examining the general culture of discourse surrounding this football game, uh, which was surprisingly negative. Um, and a lot of it actually centered around the Walter Camp Offensive Player of the Week. So do we want to get yeah. into talking about some of the things that have been said about Kyler Murray in the wake of this blowout victory? Yeah, so went 19 of 33 passing in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that, I think that's the starting point because 19 of 33 is a fine performance. You know, yeah. especially with as many passes down the field as he was throwing, there were a significant amount of long passes in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 19 of 33 is fine. He wound up with over 300 yards, three touchdowns, the one interception. Um, but people look at that and they think, well, how many times did Baker Mayfield <laughs> throw under 60% completions? And guys, that's just not how you can examine the way Kyler plays football. Yeah. And if you do that, you're going to be disappointed more times than not. Yeah. Fundamentally, Kyler Murray is not Baker Mayfield. No one is Baker Mayfield, but Baker Mayfield. His play at Oklahoma was some of the best quarterback play in college football history. And like if you're going to examine quarterbacks during that lens you're just going to come up disappointed yeah like it's yeah you just can't let yourself go down that road no you really can't and you you also have to look at look at baker's first year yeah baker baker was great that year like i i by the end of the year i was like he's my heisman winner but look at some of the passing performances Baker put together at the beginning of that season. Uh And it wasn't what you would think of as a Baker Mayfield performance, you know, like 
he did some really great things in that first year, but he was not the guy that we saw in 2017. You know, he really wasn't. He improved so much over his last two years at Oklahoma. And Kyler isn't going to have that luxury. Um, but if if you look at what Kyler did, all of that considered, he was still named Walter Camp Player of the Week for five freaking touchdowns, two of which with his legs. And that first touchdown run was just like, there's not many quarterbacks that could make that run. Like he, like, there was a little bit of a lane, but most quarterbacks are getting five yards. Yeah. And they're getting tackled by that first guy. But that guy had no shot to even touch Kyler. Mm-hmm. And he went in untouched. Yeah. And, you know, for the issues with accuracy, people are pointing out, he had some dimes in this game. That deep pass to CD, yeah. um, the one that counted. <laughs> Right. But then also, um, the right. touchdown pass to 80 Miller was incredible. Yeah. No, that pass was so freaking good. Yeah. It reminded me of a pass Baker made last year to CD against Texas Tech, mm-hmm. where it just, there's a small window and it's just about as perfect a throw as you can possibly make. So yeah. that was an incredible throw. Like, yeah, you mentioned there were two bombs to CD that did count, like the one down the sidelines that CD kind of slid and caught. Mm -hmm. That was dropped in a bucket. And then the touchdown later was just, I mean, CD made the play, but Kyler put it where he had to. You know what I mean? So I think Kyler is seemingly extremely accurate down the field. Um, That's kind of what I've seen so far. There have been some issues, a couple throws, um, just short that he's having some issues. People are really overreacting about the the swing passes. There were a lot of people in the stadium that I was sitting around when he missed a couple swing passes. Like I just thought that these grown men were they were throwing fits. They yeah. just didn't understand how he couldn't complete a screen pass because they hadn't seen one of those missed in like three years. I would like to to talk. Do you do you remember Trevor Knight throwing screen pa- uh, swing passes? <laughs> I do. I, um, man, I remember. God, Trevor Knight. I I spent the entirety of the Russell Athletic Bowl just so furious at Trevor Knight for be, for being completely unable to throw a pass to Sterling Shepard that he could catch from anywhere but a kneeling position. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Fundamentally, I think the thing with the swing passes is just a little bit of an experience in terms of being able to, like, quickly... Because both both of those incompletions were to um, his left. So right. So in that situation, there's just a, some quick readjustment of the feet that needs to happen. Um, exactly. And, and I yeah, think I think really it's just some, some footwork stuff, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a couple more games before I even think about this as a huge concern, because obviously if it becomes a situation where it's just not something he can do, like it is a Trevor Knight deal where he just can't throw swing passes. Sure. That's not great. And that's a problem, but missing two of them, one of which a defensive end was kind of coming in and he had to float it over the top of that guy. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be overly concerned about that. So right now, you know what I mean? Um, that kind of brings me to the, to the next, uh, criticism of Kyler. 
Um, I think there were were there two or three balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, there were game. there were at least two batted down, and I think a third one might have actually been affected as well. Right. Um, and so, is that a major concern to you? Well, so my thought about it is this: like Kyler is short for a quarterback. He actually legitimately is short for a quarterback. Um, the guy deflecting those passes is, you know, he kind of a badass. Like, he is going to be one of the more talented defensive ends we play. Um, right. Baker was also relatively short for a quarterback and was able to find passing lanes. I think Kyler will learn to find the passing lanes. Um, it's early yeah, to it, say that he can't. I I would also like to point out that it's not like Baker never had a pass batted down. Yeah. Like, it was definitely something that happened, you know? So, yeah, I agree. I think Kyler, the more the season progresses, he will get better, more comfortable with that. And... Honestly, I don't think it's that big of an issue. Like, so two passes got batted down in the game. Like, that's not what concerns me. It's that I do think it, there were some more passes that I think were affected by his shortness. Yeah. Like, I think some of those passes to the sidelines are, he's a little concerned about getting tipped. But, like, mm-hmm. that's okay. Like, I'm I'm okay with it. You yeah. know, like, I, it's just part of, it's part of Kyler Murray. Like, you don't get all of the other good qualities. You don't get the ridiculous athleticism and elusiveness without this. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. To me, the thing, um, to me, honestly, the biggest thing about a size affecting his throwing is uh, there was some timing on some comebacks against, you know, that where guys settle into soft zones. Um, and those, I, I, one specifically, I can't, uh, to uh, Marquise Brown that got broken up, I was thinking, you know, that's really a timing thing. Um, yeah. And I wonder how well he can even see that. Um, right. So he's got to, that's just an experience thing. He's got to be, he's got to develop the experience and understanding and trust, really, that the defense is the way it is and the receiver is where he is without having to visually confirm it because he's not always going to be able to. Yes, I 100%. And Baker was just so good at that. Yeah. You know, like that was one of his main strengths. And, you know, there were a couple times during this game where Kyler would be scrambling and you would see a guy open that, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd be like, oh, he's going to hit that guy. And then he just wouldn't. Yeah. You know, like there's a guy breaking open over the middle and it just wouldn't get to him. And, you know, we're not necessarily, we're not really used to that right now. But, yeah. I mean, You've just got to you've got to reevaluate the way you kind of watch football at this point, really. Yeah. Like, and you can't say just because he doesn't do everything right, mm-hmm. he's a bad quarterback. Because listen to Chip Kelly after this game. Like yeah. they asked him about Kyler Murray, and he was like, "That kid is a problem. He is a special, special player." Mm-hmm. You know, he said, "The only person I think he had he had a good quote talking about the only person that frustrated with is." Uh, Billy Bean because he didn't give him enough money to make him leave Oklahoma right away. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. Every coach, Lane Kiffin talked about how playing Kyler is maybe more of an issue than playing Baker. Like, yeah. Coaches understand that the fo- the total package that is Kyler Murray is a humongous problem to deal with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even if he's not the perfect passing quarterback. 
he makes up for it in so many other ways. Yeah. Like I think about his um his read option touchdown. Um it was hilarious to me because it's like this is a play that Chip Kelly like kind of invented. I mean, not really because it was invented in like the 30s, but um <laughs> just like a split a shotgun split backfield, the slot receiver goes in motion and then the quarterback runs a re- yeah, like Chip Kelly like must have been salivating um, at how well that was run. Or he would be if it wasn't being run against his defense. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I honestly, the way, the way Chip Kelly kind of discussed the game and the, and Kyler Murray more specifically, like that got me pretty excited about the prospects for the rest of the year. Yeah. Cause like that guy, that guy knows offense as well as anybody in the, in the freaking world. Yeah. And if he is that complimentary of our quarterback, like we've got something here, we have yeah. something. He's not perfect. He's not the passer Baker Mayfield is, but man, that dude is a, a, a problem for people, mm-hmm. you know, in that last touchdown that we scored, like he walks in to the end zone and he could have thrown it or run it. Like it was a situation where the defender had just no good option. Like yeah. he was like, I'm going to stick with the running back because he'll just throw it easily to him if I don't. But then he just walks into the end zone. You yeah. know what I mean? So he puts that kind of stress on the defense. And I think as the season goes, Lincoln's going to get more comfortable calling for Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be more comfortable making the reads that Lincoln needs him to make. And it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, all right. So those are basically everything people have complained about with Kyler. Let's talk about fourth and one. Okay, let's do it. Um, (laughs) so we didn't pick up a fourth and one. Right. So let's, let's talk about it this way. Like, is the fact that we didn't pick up a single fourth and one against UCLA, um, going to cause the rest of the season to just fail? No. The answer is no, correct? <laughs> the answer is no. Right. Um, <laughs> I think it, it it was a frustrating play in the moment, right? Because it's the sort of thing that this offense should be able to do. Like, right. one yard with this line, it should happen. Um, yeah. And it didn't, and that's frustrating. But some things to keep in mind. We had a rookie center um, starting his first game. He was, you know, he had a false start called on himself earlier. Uh, you know, he was. There's clearly some things that Creed Humphrey's working out, um, but you know, you have to expect that he'll get them worked out, or Jonathan Alvarez will start playing center again. Um, yep. It's a. It's. I mean, it's a solvable problem. Um, what was, I don't know, what was your emotional state when it happened? Yeah, so I, obviously I was frustrated that it, you know, got blown up the way it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at the play, like Bobby Evans didn't block well on the play. There was some miscommunication with Powers and Humphrey, like that happened. But like, if you think about who's at the most fault, it might be Bobby Evans. Mm-hmm. And like, that doesn't concern me. Like the guy messed up, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have confidence in Bobby Evans to fix his mistakes because he's been one of the best offensive linemen in the country the last two years. You know what I mean? So 
that doesn't concern me. Ben Powers is one of the best linemen in the country right now still. Like, I think the guy, like, the, the offensive line, first of all, they just didn't play that well. Like, I think that yeah. there was some things. And, like, that's, that's going to happen. Like, it's not like we haven't seen, like, think back to 2016. The offensive line took about four or five games to really get rolling that year. And by the end of the season, they were the best group in the country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Bill Biedenboe, it's sometimes it just takes it takes a little bit, you know? Like, last year was like we had everybody coming back. So that, like, from the get-go was not a problem. Yeah. But we returned five starters. This year we, you know, we moved Bobby Evans from right to left. We've got a new center. Uh, we've, you know, had to replace Bobby at right tackle. So, I mean, there was some things that we had to shift around. And during the course of camp, they were experimenting a ton with different combinations. So they didn't get the comfort level of playing together as a unit the way that last year's group did. And so it's probably going to take a few games before they're playing. I think talent-wise, we have the talent we did last year, if not more, probably more. Um, The ceiling is higher for this offensive line. Um, It's just right now the floor is a a little bit lower than what it was last year. So... Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not concerned in the slightest. Creed Humphrey, like that was his first game. And like that dude was a line that was lined up across it from him was like five hundred pounds. So like you know, that was something he was having to focus on, you know, like I'm not really concerned about Creed Humphrey. I'm really excited yeah. that they went with him because mm-hmm. I think there is kind of a cap for what Jonathan Alvarez can do. And yeah. I think Creed Humphrey's got all-American, all-world potential as a center. I mean, that dude is that dude's awesome. Yeah. From a just blocking the man in front of him standpoint, mm-hmm. that dude is going to be really, really good at it. And as he gets more comfortable with the guys that are around him, like I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah. Um. So I think that about covers fourth and one. Uh. <laughs> I don't know if we can say anything more about a single yard. Um, yeah, do we do we want to talk about more just the overall um, problems with running the football on the day? Because it was not yeah. a smooth day yeah. in terms of running the football. We didn't, you know, I say this like, you know, when I first got to college, breaking 200 yards on the ground was like a big thing. And now it's like if we don't break 200, it's like what the heck happened? Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool, but, um, <laughs> I, I think a lot of it had to do, I mean, the offensive line didn't have a great game. Yeah. Like we just talked about, there were just more mental mistakes than usual. And I, I think we talked about it earlier. Just, I don't think Trey Sermon was the running back for the day. I think if Rodney Anderson had stayed, had not, not gotten hurt, mm. you know, we kind of lost maybe the best running back in the country. That's going to affect your ground game. Um, I think if, he hadn't gotten hurt where we probably get the ground game going somewhere in like the second quarter because UCLA was really, really stacking up and saying, Hey, we're going to make you throw on us, you know? Um, and I, I think eventually we would have gotten it figured out with a guy like Rodney. Um, it wasn't the day for Trey sermon. Um, but I think that's really all it was. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think there's a degree to which the, um, you know, some of our, and this is one of the weirder aspects of the way this game was frustrating, even though it was a you know a three t- four touchdown blowout. Um, is that it? Just, I don't know. A lot of 
the concepts that we were working with weren't always, you know, working in the way we expect them to. Um, right. The counter run, for instance, um, yeah. was, uh, you know, it just wasn't all, it wasn't getting the consistent chunk yardage that we have come to expect out of that play. And I think a lot of it, I mean, credit to UCLA's, um, you know, their big, strong, fast defensive ends yeah. um, who are just did a really good job, especially when Trey Sermon was in the game because Trey Sermon has a tendency to, um, you know, wait and see what happens and then make a decision. Um, and he just wasn't getting the time he needed in the backfield for that to work. Um, right. Which is why, actually, when it did start working, it was actually Marcellia Sutton who was just like, oh, well, I know where I'm going to run. I'm going to run there as fast as I possibly can. Um, yeah. So, to me... That was that was one of the issues with the run game is that just the play that really the entire offense is built around wasn't necessarily succeeding up front consistently, and when it broke down, the um, we didn't Trey Sermon isn't necessarily going to be the guy to um, make something fix something that goes wrong while he's in the backfield, like his elusiveness and his vision really pays off once he gets to the second level, but. Like, a, if a big, strong, fast defensive end is coming at him in the backfield, there's not a ton he can do. Yeah, I think that's that's totally right. Like, I mean, I think that there were, they just, up the middle, there just wasn't anything there. Yeah. You know, we were getting, like, they were getting some nice penetration, and that really affected things. And, you know, I think we needed a guy that was like, well, I'm going to take what they're giving. I'm going to get outside on these guys. Like, yeah. Marcellia Sutton broke broke contain a couple times and like I think that's what we needed to do and I mean Rodney is obviously more than capable of doing that and so that just I think that was the main issue running the football yeah and just overall in the game um so our next you know take that we can talk about is we had a bust in the secondary we did yeah and it was it was on third and 16 65-yard reception. Uh, really frustrating because it was one of those. It seemed like it was one of going to be one of many examples of a drive that we had shut down before it even got started, and then we give up this big play. Um, and you know, in my preview of the game, I had mentioned that an important aspect of this was going to be um, Khalil Houghton as a veteran, understanding how to. Um, you know, how his positioning affects what the offense will do. Uh, and he was just out of position on this play. Um, left a big gap uh, for a very capable tight end to sit in and come away with a big reception. Yeah, and the thing that was the most frustrating with this is the fact that it was 3rd and 16, and yeah. we had just embarrassed them on their first two plays. Oh, you know, knocked it. Knocked him back both times. Kenneth Murray made a huge tackle on an option play on second oh, down. It was just that really was an incredible. It was great option blow up. Yeah, just Curtis Bolton just obliterating the quarterback, and Kenneth Murray is right there to take out the running back as soon as he gets the pitch. Like incredibly yeah, well played. And then this happens, and then they get rolling and they score. Right, and and if you if you look at it without that play the first team defense is probably pitching, pitching another shutout, you yeah. know, like just like last week, 
you know, that's really what the difference between having a shutout and, you know, giving up some points is, is just one bust. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, you just, you, you don't want all of your hard work to be wasted on a, on a mental mistake like that, Yeah. you know, and, you know, Khalil Houghton is a guy that's been in the program for four years now. He's, he's the last guy that needs to bust in that secondary, yeah. you know, like he's, He's got to be solid with his assignments more than anybody else in that secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, he's been there so long. Um, but, I'm, again, it's one play. It wasn't like a reoccurring theme yeah. during the game. Like, I thought in a lot of ways the secondary covered much better because, first of all, I mean, there were three or four passes in Ford Atlantic that Robinson just missed. Yeah, You know, exactly. that there weren't that many. There weren't that many openings against yeah. UCLA, you know, so, which side note, did you see what Chris Robinson did this I did. last week? I did. He is the new record single game record holder for passing yards at Florida Atlantic university. So things got turned around yeah. for him. That's good. Yeah, that's good. No, I'm that's sure, kind of crazy. I'm sure Lincoln is proud. Um, Hey, we, uh, you know, your defense absolutely stifled that. Right. Yeah, I think it says two things. Like, it makes me feel even better about our our defensive performance against him. It also shows that, like, yeah, that dude was probably freaked out about playing in Norman for his first game. Yeah. Um, but no, I I thought that was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thirty three of forty for four hundred and seventy one yards and three <laughs> touchdowns. Like, that's that's crazy, crazy impressive. Uh, it's a lot better than what Kyler Murray did on Saturday. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I thought I was I was pretty impressed with the secondary um, from just an overall standpoint. I thought that the Dorian Thompson Robinson kid was like pretty good. You know, he looks like a talented player, man. Yeah, like, I think he, he's um, going to be a guy. Yeah, by the end of the game, he was really like he made some great throws. He made some good plays. He was stepping up in the pocket the way he needed to when the pocket existed, which it frequently didn't. So that was really yeah. funny. But um, no, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to be good. This was not a fun time for him. I don't know what the exact sack count was, but I know it was more than five. It was. Yeah, I went up with six. We had five in the first half, and yeah. we just we just completely dominated in the first half. Um, but you know, and that's that's not something we've seen at all yeah. <laughs> in a while. But um, no, it was it was really really fun to watch the the front seven get after him. But yeah, I thought the the kid made good throws. Um, I, th- I think we would have had a much even better defensive performance if Wilton Spate had played. Yeah, because <laughs> that kid, that kid's way better than Wilton Spate, man. Yeah, that I was impressed. Yeah, Wilton, um, Wilton Spate would be in about five different pieces now if Stephen <laughs> yeah, said totally. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, you kind of mentioned him earlier. Um, Curtis Bolden had himself a heck of a football game. He did. He uh, absolutely did. I thought he was better today, or not today, but Saturday than he was against Ford Atlantic. Um, yeah come up with he wound up officially with one and a half sacks and the dude is just a problem like he just is is play like he's just everywhere you know he just gets after you like there's you know every time they talk about him it's like they just say he plays with reckless abandon and that is that explains him perfectly he just he in broken play situations he's just like he's a jump scare 
like a play will break down, a guy will scramble, and then he will suddenly not be scrambling anymore. <laughs> like, right. it's just like, oh, Curtis Bolton was there the whole time, huh? Yeah. Yeah, no, that one sack where he was just, he kind of came out of nowhere, I, I would have been, that would have been really scary for the for the quarterback there. You, yeah. th- you think you're about to get out of it, but then, oh, no, there's a guy in my face. Yeah. Um, I am a little concerned because he got away with, it, it wound up not being targeting this week. Um, and it's not like a, you know, huge concern, but I think that the way he plays, it's, it's possible he gets a targeting penalty before the yeah. season's over, he's just, he's just you know, just like yeah. I could see him going into a quarterback and then just putting his helmet, right. You know, yeah. just textbook targeting on a quarterback at some yeah. point. Speaking of textbook um, targeting, did you see the Liberty punter? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Yes. If you guys haven't seen this, find the Liberty punter getting ejected for the most ridiculous, like, (laughs) he would have been ejected from a game in the 1980s or something for doing this against Army. He didn't even use his arms. Like, that's what he he used his head to tackle. Yeah. Like, head down with it tilted down, and it was just dove right at the guy. Yeah. He thought he was a pachycephalosaurus. Like, it was the <laughs> most ridiculous, like, very clearly this is a punter who has never tackled someone before. Because he did not understand what was happening. He's um, lucky he, like, didn't get hurt. Like, yeah. Just like, straight that's, up. Like, that's that the, is... That's the thing that... He did exactly the thing that your middle school football coach tells you to never, ever do because you'll break your neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it's... If he had hit a different part of that guy's body, like he would be injured right now. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So no, that's oh, that was crazy. That was oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, Curtis Bolton, you know, he really good thing he didn't get called for targeting. You know, wind up getting called because he would have missed the first half against Iowa State. Yeah. Um, which you know kind of brings me to my next point. I heard a little bit of questioning and just everything about where's Caleb Kelly and we are we are Caleb Kelly fans on this podcast Absolutely, that are. is that much is clear and that has not changed um, but if someone's playing as well as Curtis Bolton is take him off the field yeah you know I know we talked about last week how oh we could have a really good will linebacker rotation you know it could be awesome you know but if you got a guy playing at a all conference level, you know, making play after play, you can't take him off the field. Yeah. And also fundamentally, it is awesome. Like Curtis like Caleb Kelly still exists. Like Curtis if Curtis the fact that Curtis Bolton is playing out of his skin right now doesn't make Caleb Kelly retroactively worse. Like he's still there. Right. He's still an option we can lean on um, if we need to give Bolton some rest or if he gets some sort of injury. Like it's like, this rotation is still really strong. It's just, like, instead of worrying about Caleb Kelly, just be happy for Curtis Bolton because he's playing the best football of his career. Yeah. Just think about the depth across the defense for a second because, you know, you talk about Caleb Kelly backing up Curtis Bolton at the will. Look at, you know, Khalil Hodden. If he doesn't play better, we've got a guy like Robert Barnes who had yeah. an interception against FAU. He was out with a minor injury against UCLA, but he's going to be back next week. 
And like that's a guy that can play there easily. We're pro- you were rotating mm-hmm. regularly, you know, without. <laughs> so that's my dad. He'll be happy to learn that he's got a cameo on the podcast. Wow. Uh, what a, Is he watching Monday Night Football? Some meaningless Monday Night Football Or Sunday game. Night Football, I guess. Yeah, it's Sunday. Some, it's some not Monday. meaningless football game that he has no stake in, yes. Um, oh, my goodness. All right. Okay. <laughs> that, that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> back to the defensive depth. Yeah, we're rotating three corners just – you know, because we can, we have three guys that they all feel great about, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I love to see it. We even, you know, wound up putting all three on the field in passing situations, yeah. which is really cool to see. Um, we're ro- we rotate defensive linemen like crazy. We have pretty good depth up there. Like mm-hmm. the only position we really don't rotate now is Buki and Kenneth Murray. Like that's the only two guys that don't really get rotated. Well, I guess Curtis Bolton because he's playing so well, but um, Buki and Kenneth Murray are the only guys that I'm like, yeah, they please, please don't get hurt. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I'm not sure we have a guy that can do what they do behind them. I have another know? one, which is Mark Jackson, but, oh, right, right, right. Duh. Uh, Duh. but yeah, so yeah, no, the defense is good. Um, they were really good. And one big play doesn't change the fact that they're really good. Um, nah. so Let's talk about some standout players on the defense. Um, so we've each selected two, and we've sort of... Right. Um, surprise, mine was Curtis Bolton. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think that's a good one to start with, yeah. Yeah, um, for all of the reasons we've you know, listed. Like, Kenneth Murray is a man possessed. Um, it's terrifying hey, to watch. Do hey, I... he recorded a tackle this week. He recorded nine of them, in fact. <laughs> he, um, it is watching him when he knows where a play is going is just astonishing. Like mm-hmm. he moves with such purpose and speed. And, he is fast. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and all of that, all of that said, Curtis Bolton looked just as good today or, or right. yesterday, and that's incredible. Um, for mm-hmm. those to have those guys um, as your inside linebackers, like that's incredible. That's really good. Um, so shout out to Curtis Bolton. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then uh, my other. Uh, so one, I'm gonna. Yeah, you oh, go. go ahead. You go ahead. Do you, uh, you want to finish up? I'll... Um, well, so my other guy was uh, Mark Jackson. Um, okay. Because I, the defensive line in general is going to get a ton of credit for this game. I thought Mark Jackson played really well. Um, especially since we had spent the whole preview talking about how we were a little worried that he wasn't necessarily going to be, um, you know, everything we needed at that position. Um, I thought he acquitted himself really well. Now you go. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with another linebacker in Ryan Jones. Mm -hmm. Um, that dude is very, very athletic. (laughs) You know, like, I feel very comfortable with him, you know, when he's split out, you know, on receivers and tight ends and stuff. Like, I feel comfortable. He's doing a nice job even in the run game. Yeah. Um, 
I was really impressed with some of the things that he flashed. And like we said last week, that dude is very, very new to that position and he's already making plays. Like that's a guy who has good football instincts and just obviously is a freakish athlete. Yeah. We are kind uh, of big, strong and fast at every linebacker position. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah. Um, and the, the next guy I'm going to go is kind of a, he didn't play as much as I would have liked, but he did record his first career sack. And that is Ronnie Perkins. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this kid. Yeah. Like he's, he's great. Like he's does not play like a freshman. He's, he's going to be really, really, really freaking good. Like, yeah. and the thing with him, like, he looks as physically imposing as Kenneth Mann, and he is three years younger. Yeah. You know, like, that's what we've got here. Um, and I think as the season progresses, I, I hope they, they play him more. Yeah. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, him, you know, moving over and maybe providing some depth at the jack position and, you know, going more to a true four-man front. I hope to see that more. I want to see that a little bit just to see what having Kenneth Mann and Ronnie Perkins on each end of the line looks like. Because it could be something that that works really well for us. Yeah, I agree. Um, Also, I think that we would be less likely to drop uh, drop Ronnie Perkins into coverage, uh, which is one thing I wish that we weren't doing with Mark Jackson. Right. Did you see that uh, Ronnie Perkins is on on kickoff coverage? I didn't see that. um, Yeah. (laughs) He's on kickoff coverage, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, which oh, ooh, we have to talk about that. Um, Troy James at fullback. What'd you think? It was just it was something. Um, <laughs> if one hundred percent, I didn't notice. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> I oh didn't my even goodness! Notice. Oh my god! Um, yeah. So, real, like, Troy, Troy James is a, a reserve, like, very far down on the depth chart defensive lineman. Yeah. Um, he's very, like, he's probably six foot. Like, he's kind of a short and stocky kind of nose guard type. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, he's a pretty good athlete. Like, he was a guy that I thought might play defensive end when he came to OU. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found a role for him, apparently, um, you know, as that kind of blocking fullback. There's, you know, everybody's seen, you know, other schools put in defensive linemen and yeah. short yardage situations where they yeah. come in and block. And I'm really excited that we have uh, started to do that as well. Yeah, no, I think it's good. Um, I'll have to go back and look for that on the highlight films because no, yeah. I legitimately didn't even notice. Yeah, um, the, de- the day that he scores a touchdown is going to be a good day. Yes, it we, is. We're going to have to let get, get Troy James into the end zone. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, you want to go to offense? Let's go to offense. This uh, is uh, we we've got to say not not no Kyler Murray. No Kyler. Obviously, Murray, the Walter Camp offensive player of the week was a standout. Yeah. Um. So I've I've gone with some what I think are relative sleeper picks. One, Ad Miller. Ad um, Miller. Okay. Ad Miller, um, who actually I think started this game. He did. Did you see why he started? Because he was good in practice. <laughs> yeah. Is hilarious. Um, and you know, he acquitted himself well. He's got two touchdown catches in two games, which is not a thing I think we ever expected to say about A.D. Miller. Yeah. Um, no, he's, he's playing well and he, he definitely looks the part on the field. And the fact that, you know, we had the luxury of being able to tell C.D. Lamb, Hey, we need you to practice better because 
we have a guy like A.D. Miller like that. And it obviously raised C.D. Lamb's game. Like, I don't yeah. care what C.D. says. I think that guy was pissed that he didn't start. And yeah. then he wound up having the best game of his freaking career. Yeah. Like, that's what having incredible depth across the board does for you. Yeah. And uh, my other guy was Marcellius Sutton um, for yes. sort of <laughs> being successfully the running back that's got the got the gears turning, especially in that counter fight. Um, mm-hmm. Because I had mentioned to um, frequent guest of the pod, Nathan Hill, um, on Twitter, that it's like, ah, they're really stifling the counter. And then literally the next two plays are a um, – a counter option that Kyler takes into the red zone and Marcellius Sutton scoring off of the counter. <laughs> like he just, you know, I, I, it was a situation where I think he was just running with sort of trust that that hole would open up and he flashed to it. Yeah. No, I like, um, well, I'm going to go with, uh, CD lamb. That's the, the obvious one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because he played one of the best games I've seen from a receiver yeah. at OU. Like just and like obviously like Marquise Brown against OSU last year was, you know, a lot more yardage, but the the level of difficulty on his catches was just something I've never seen from an yeah. OU receiver. Like he starts the game by having a one handed catch like behind his head. Yeah. On Doesn't a drag that yeah. break stride. Like no. I think other receivers, if they can catch that ball, they have to like reverse and head the other way upfield. Right, exactly. Like, and he just goes, reaches behind him, grabs it, keeps going, and gets ten yards. Like, yeah. that that was impressive. The the diving catch down the sideline where Kyler dropped it in a bucket, like that was perfect. Like mm-hmm. that was great. Um, the touchdown that he had, like. He was being interf like dude had his arm and he still like boxed him out yeah. and got the catch like mm-hmm. like that's just not something you see from very many guys yeah. like that's NFL stuff right there for sure yeah and then punt return like <laughs> he ran straight down the middle of the field like he saw the hole open up you can kind of see him he saw it like he you could see he kind of caught the ball backed up and looked and was like oh the middle of the field is wide open so he just took off down the middle you know really great play and i thought that that was um really interesting because at that time our offense wasn't super clicking yeah you know like we you know we had a little bit of a struggle in the second half you know at times like the beginning of the third quarter wasn't great mm-hmm. but in two different situations we had huge returns that basically gifted our offense touchdowns so while our offense didn't have the greatest day ever, we still were able to put up 49 points because mm-hmm. special teams helped out. And that's one of the aspects that I think I'd kind of I'd kind of underestimated over the years because I'd kind of gotten into the idea of just like, well, as long as you don't fumble or drop the return, I don't care because our offense is so good. But like yeah. sometimes the offense just needs a little bit of a spark and that was what they got from our return game today. And like fundamentally, um the special teams um, field position game has been uh, something that the OU offense has been good in spite of for the past, like, three years. Um, right. And the idea that, no, we're going to have legitimately good field position a lot of the time now is pretty great. <laughs> like, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and the the other offensive guy I'm going to go with, not he didn't necessarily have like a standout game, but just a guy that just kept flashing. Talked about him earlier, TJ Pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, just when he's in the game, I feel good about him. You know, I think you know the way he runs is I think a style that's going to really um, contrast with Trey Sermon really well. Mm-hmm. Now that we move into the non Rodney Anderson part of the season, which yeah. totally sucks. Um, but I think, you know, the more I watch him play, the more I I like him. I said after week one, I think he's the guy that's most capable of, you know, being the next guy after Rodney was gone. Well, that just came, you know, a year earlier than I thought. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm really excited. Hopefully, you know, our coaches, they tend to kind of, you know, go a little slow in terms of trusting guys they tend to stick with upperclassmen a little bit longer than i like sometimes um that wasn't the case with trey sermon last year hopefully they give they give tj pledger um an opportunity starting this weekend yeah i think um i definitely think it's a possibility that because the one thing we have seen is that if there's a freshman who legitimately deserves it like link especially under lincoln he'll get he'll get his opportunity I think we could see an opportunity for TJ Pleasure coming up, coming forward. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Sorry, I am currently relocating again. Good. Another another good situation. So. Yeah. Another relocation, and we had an appearance from was it Robin Maxi? Yep. Yep. Yeah. This is good. This is a good <laughs> podcast. So. Um. um is there anything else? Was there anybody else that you just we just have to talk about? Um, like obviously, I think we're both in love with Trey Brown as a kick returner. Yeah, he's just so fast. Um, no, I think that about covers it. Um, I okay. nothing else is really coming to mind. No. Trey Norwood. Okay, sack was, was really it? Cool. It was. It was. I've I've really liked what I've seen from him so far this year. Yeah. Him and Motley have looked really good. Yeah. Um, so was there any anything from the college football weekend that you saw that caught your eye? There was. The Clemson A&M game. Mm-hmm. I was so ups- I was so mad throughout that entire second half <laughs> because that Clemson defense looked like one of the defenses at OU that got Brent Venables fired. Yeah. Like, in that, like, the secondary just looked kind of clueless. Like, that was one, that was the big complaint with Brent Venables is that he does a pretty good job, but every now and then the secondary just doesn't know what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. that secondary was just, they were busting everywhere. Guys running open everywhere. Like, and their defensive front was getting to Kellen Mond. Yeah. Like they were getting to all they had to do was defend for like two seconds <laughs> and they were going to probably sack Kellen Mond. Yeah. But they couldn't even freaking do that. And they got lucky to win that game. Yeah. Yeah. Which was frustrating because, as we said, we really needed that game to be a blowout to yeah, help us and out now, on the recruiting trail. Yeah. A&M's already gotten a couple commits from some really highly ranked guys that OU was really wanting. But yeah. You know, that's all right. You know, if you want to go be a part of Texas A&M's football tradition instead of OU's, I guess, do your thing. <laughs> do your do thing. it. Do what you want. Do what you want. 
Um, um, did you? Yeah, go ahead. Let's see. Uh, Iowa, Iowa State was awful, just awful. I saw zero of that game. Well, I heard Kyle Kemp got hurt though. He did. He is did. he going to miss the OU game? I feel. I think he might. Right. I there's definitely a chance of it. Um, which that's a stroke of luck for OU, not a stroke of luck for Iowa State, certainly. Um, yeah. The uh, Nebraska Colorado was pretty thrilling. That was a great game. Yeah. That was a really good game. I enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Adrian Martinez is good. Yeah. Like, that guy, like, I'm going to need Tanner Mordecai to turn out to be a stud because Ad- we kind of chose Tanner Mordecai over Adrian Martinez. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think so. Um, I need Tanner Mordecai to not make me r- regret yeah. not getting Agreed. Adrian Martinez. but Or Spencer Rattler, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he wants to Spencer, be as Spencer good as Rattler he seems. Spencer Rattler could also be good. That would be fine. I wouldn't yeah. say no. Um yeah, um, trying to think of other games. Texas almost lost to Tulsa. Oh, I say almost lost. Texas oh, got played my. close did by you, Tulsa. It was on the long. Did you watch numbers, it? So I saw none of it. But okay, well, I, I I had the privilege of watching the fourth quarter of this football game. Yeah. Um, and when I flipped over, it is twenty-one to seven. Mm-hmm. Tulsa had the ball, and then very soon after, I started watching Tulsa scored on a long pass play. Or they 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 got screwed on the call. Like they got down to the one yard line, but the dude was totally in the end zone. But they scored on the next play. Mm-hmm. Um, Tulsa made it twenty fourteen, and the announcers listening to them was very entertaining because <laughs> like the way they talked about it until it was twenty one fourteen, they were like acting like there wasn't even a football game going on. Like I think they were. <laughs> I think they were interviewing the Texas AD, and they were just like talking about how great everything was, and just mm-hmm. you know, oh, we're up twenty-one-seven on Tulsa, oh, things great. And then like he left, and they were like, "Well, I guess the way we have to approach this now is that Texas has to hold on and win this game." And I was like, "Yes, that is absolutely right. <laughs> they are up seven, and Tulsa, <laughs> Tulsa missed three field goals in this game, and." They got stopped at the three-yard line in this game. Tulsa should have won this football game. Oh. Like, 100% should have won. Oh, man. And the Longhorn Network did not convey that sense of urgency (laughs) in the way they analyzed it. However, I did hear a rumor. I was not able to confirm. I saw someone post on a message board talking about how when, when they were cutting away at one point, the audio was still on, and one of the announcers... Uh, said to the other, I think we can both agree that we suck. Oh. And <laughs> I really enjoy it. I really hope uh, that was I really that hope was that's true. true. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Um, Herm Edwards won again in conditions. Yes! Um, oh my goodness. Did you hear about the conditions in this game? I did not. It was 108 degrees at night. 108 degrees at yes, night? At night. Oh my god. Yeah. So um <laughs> which I'm sure made Herm Edwards question whether or not the devil was present. Um Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. Wow. Wow. 
<laughs> that's oh my god. Yeah. So hot I did see that and... like I just I can't watch Michigan State play. No. Like it's it's never fun. Like there's never been a fun Michigan State game. Well, it's yeah. 16-13 final and oh. Yeah. Well, it's like I was watching it and just thinking, yeah, if there was a team for Herm Edwards to beat, it would be this Michigan State team because it's football exactly as he remembers it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's – oh, my God. Yeah. Um, any other games? Did you see what Stanford did to USC? I did see what Stanford did to USC. Seven. Good Lord, USC-Texas is going to be – that's not going to be a high-quality no. football game next weekend. No, it's going to have incredible ratings and be total garbage. Yeah, have you seen how Fox is uh, selling this game right now? How are they selling this game? They're selling this as like the grudge match of like their 1-1 in their last two meetings, like talking <laughs> about last year, and the freaking 05 <laughs> Rose Bowl. 1-1. Or one the one. 06 Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah they're talking – yeah. Yeah. And like this will determine who is like I'm like dude shut up yeah come on like this is so stupid but like Texas could win that game yeah you know Texas isn't good but Texas could win yeah. because USC yikes like I think JT Daniels is probably gonna be good at some point but that mm-hmm. point is not right now yeah this is. This was true when they had Sam Darnold, and it's almost certainly true now. Um, would USC's offense be better served by just throwing the ball to an athlete in the flat every down? Probably. That's, yeah. This is just this is my feeling about this. Yeah, especially like, especially with Texas, the way they've uh, they just have a tendency to just not tackle sometimes, and yeah, I think that's probably going to be their best bet. Um, yeah, Texas needs to win, honestly, because they've got TCU the week after, and then they've got to go to Kansas State the week after that. Like, Kansas State's bad, and yeah. they looked really bad against Mississippi State, but, like, they, they always beat Texas. They Texas figured out, yeah. They always beat them, especially at home. Like, they always do. Uh, so you can't count, that, count on that as a win. And then they've got OU the week after, and... You know, anything, literally anything could happen in that game. But, you know, they're in danger of of a one and five start. That is not impossible. Yeah. It's, um, it's a gross time in Austin right now. Yeah. Um, I, the more I hear Tom Herman, the the more I think that guy is not like, that guy's not very good at what he does. Like he's, I just, he's not, or at least like he might be a good coach, but he's not, a Texas coach. No. You know, like he's not what they need. Yeah. Man, how, how did Mac Brown? I mean, well, I don't know. Cause simultaneously it's like, how did Mac Brown, but also like, how are these guys not having success? You know, it seems like it would be hard to fail at Texas. It really does. And yeah, but it, it's just, it's obviously, it's not an easy job or else they would have had more success over the years. Like that's, uh, that's obviously where we are. Yeah. You know, and it's not like recruiting has fallen off. No, they recruit well. So no, it's, it's pretty, it's unbelievable at this point, really. Yeah. And like, and the thing that really annoys me though, is because A&M is really starting to feel themselves because, you know, they almost beat Clemson. 
and <laughs> Texas is struggling to beat Tulsa, so they're yeah. kind of like, oh yeah, there's a there's an evolution going on, and we're gonna take over the state of Texas and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, you're still not gonna be the flagship program in the state, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know. So. But, the other thing about A&M is that they're feeling a lot of justification coming out of Arizona right now. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh my, like, that's unbelievable. Yeah. That that's probably the most surprising thing that has happened so far this year for me. Yeah. Like, is two games into the season, the general opinion is, oh yeah, Khalil Tate should transfer. Yeah. No, they look horrible. Yeah. They look horrendous. And was Khalil Tate a sophomore? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't play for this team like that. It's not it, yeah, that's not it's not going to work, man. It just Yeah. I've heard a lot of things about Kevin someone about how he should not have gone from uh from A&M straight to Arizona, like he needed time off yeah, um, just for personal reasons. And it, it really seems like that is coming to fruition. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's God, Arizona's bad and they should, and they, it feels like they shouldn't be. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, if you had told me that one of the Arizona schools was looking like a massive failure and the other one was looking like a team that could compete for their division. Yeah. You would have said Arizona is the team competing for their division. Yeah. And Arizona state was the massive failure because the Herm Edwards thing, there's just no way that would work. Right. Yeah. But which there still isn't any way that that's going to work, but yeah, long term, you're probably right, but it looks good so far. Um, and have you, have you heard about the chicken bet with Stephen Godfrey for that? I, I mean, I know he's saying what's that happening. I don't know what the. It's that Arizona are. State's Arizona State's going to beat Arizona this year, which <laughs> looks fine now. But like yeah. before the year, it was a hot take. Oh yeah. Um, any other games of interest or note? Boise State obliterated UConn. Did you see how many yards they had? More than eight hundred. I think eight hundred. Yeah, it was eight eighteen. Yeah, 818, yeah. Yeah, and they play, this is a good segue into our favorite segment on the podcast. Mm-hmm. They play the uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys next weekend. Yes, they do. Um, and I'm getting a little bit nervous. I can't lie to you. I can't lie. You know, I, I, I've seen, like, Boise State's really good, man. They're the yeah. best team in the group of five. Like they're number five in S and P plus right now. Yeah. Like that's they're good. Yeah. And like OSU looked I thought looked better this week, but it was also South Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I think there's a real mm-hmm. chance. Um before the show you said this will be an interesting game because both fan bases will kind of be expecting to win. Yeah. I think I think more so. I think there's going to be more nervous Oklahoma State fans, you yeah. know, because I mean Taylor Cornelius, 25 of 40 for 428 yards, one touchdown, but he also threw two picks. Still, yeah. like, I know I've been pumping that dude up like crazy, but <laughs> that's not good. No, you can't throw two picks against them. Like, I'm just being a real person. Like, I think I think OSU's losing this game. Yeah. 
I think like, it's I, entirely likely. Yeah. Now it'll like, be in Stillwater. It will be. If it, it was in be. Boise, it would be like no, no chance OSU wins this game. But yeah. um, we'll see. Yeah. I think, yeah, you can't make mistakes against this Boise team because they will, you will be in a shootout. Yeah. No, they've got they've got the tools, man. They are, they're looking like vintage Boise right now. Yeah. Um, I think a good place to stop is uh, congratulations to the Kansas Jayhawks. Yes. <laughs> For breaking their forty-six game away losing streak against the Central yep. Michigan Chips. Yeah, how did Central Michigan go from beating Oklahoma State on the road two years ago to losing at home to Kansas? Well, the answer is they cheated. Like that's, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty impressive, man. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's an odd turnout. Hey, speaking of embarrassing things in directional Michigan schools, Purdue lost to Eastern Michigan. I saw that as well. I saw that as well. Um, yeah, well, I didn't know that until this morning. I walked, up, I woke up and watched uh, some college football final, and they they showed that highlight. I was yeah. I was surprised. Eastern it. Michigan's one of my former NCAA schools. Yeah, I had, I had a big time dynasty going on. Do you do you know the uh, the town that Eastern Michigan is located? They're in Ypsilanti, right? Yes. Yes. You're not gonna you're not gonna get me. On directional <laughs> Michigan schools, what color is their field? It is gray. It's gray. <laughs> they <laughs> have a they gray said, field. This program isn't depressing enough. Let's play football in grayscale. Um, <laughs> is there anything else we want to talk about? Uh, not that I don't think we could cover on our preview podcast for Iowa State. Right. I it's going to be a big one up in Ames next weekend. Yes, it is. So. All right. In that case, I am going to go ahead and sign us out. So thanks so much for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, We certainly appreciate your time. Uh, If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes or the Google Play Store or on Podbean. Um, You can follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi and at Alex P. Purdy. If you've really enjoyed the podcast, why not leave a review and say so? on one of those platforms, as well as uh, share the podcast with some friends. We're the good OU podcast, and more people deserve to hear us. (laughs) That's all, folks. We'll see you later in the week with our Iowa State preview.